Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that none of us want to talk about. Well, that's probably not true. Maybe some of you do, but I think it's important to normalize sexual themes around OCD in children and teens and to talk about how it shows up and how we're supposed to help our kids. Because even in the OCD community, this topic, as far as sexual themes that pop up, is more stigmatized and harder to find support for or resources for because we don't feel comfortable talking about it. And I'll admit with my social anxiety, it's not a topic I really wanted to cover on the podcast because, you know, everybody handles it differently. Everybody has different religious and philosophical beliefs about a lot of this stuff. And so it's like, oh, difficult topic, but I'm not afraid to talk about these things. I did bring in some support. <laughs> so I did bring in uh, Tracy Ibrahim. It, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's a certified sex therapist. So she was a good person to invite on. She has nearly 20 years of experience working in the mental health field. She is the director of clinical risk management, as well as a therapist at NoCD. And so she was gracious enough to come on so that I could actually have somebody to talk to and somebody who this is really her expertise. And so we talk about what types of sexual themes you see in kids. We talk about how it shows up differently in different developmental stages and how parents can help support their kids. And I hope that you find it helpful. Before I get started, I do want to say that this episode is sponsored by NoCD. So I greatly appreciate them. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. A link will be in the show notes. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Tracy. Well, I want to welcome Tracy to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you are too, because this is a topic I don't want to talk about alone. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you have this expertise, and so you're a perfect person to have on to have this conversation about how sex, sexual thoughts, sexual intrusive thoughts can happen with OCD and our kids and what we're supposed to do about those things. Because as parents, and I would say even as clinicians, a lot of us are uncomfortable touching those topics when we're talking about kids and sex. So let's just jump right into it because I think we'll have a lot to talk about. What are some of the things that you see, the sexual themes that you see come up with OCD? So, you know, it really depends on age. The youngest person I've ever seen where it involves sexual content was probably about four. It was a focus on looking at other people's private areas and also looking at their poop and stuff in the toilet, things of that nature. Um, You know, bathrooms, you know, just kind of things that felt a little taboo. And then you get older kids like teenagers and you can start to get more into like pedophilia, OCD, harm OCD with like sexual content. You can get incest, all different kinds of things. You can really start to 
bleed over into what adults get as well. Yeah. And you're bringing up some good points about the age range and the content that comes with the age range, because a lot of times people think, well, sexual thoughts can't happen to a four-year-old. We would accept that hopefully most OCD clinicians would accept that a four-year-old can have OCD. We're just getting to that point, but we wouldn't think that a a sexual content could happen to a four-year-old. And I want to preface the whole episode with, you know, OCD, a lot of times the intrusive thought is something that feels uncomfortable, embarrassing, taboo. And so sexual themes are going to be very much a part of that. And what do four-year-olds worry about? You know, my private parts. We talk a lot about private parts. We have like the poopy jokes and the bathroom jokes. And so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that range up. Oh yeah. Lots of butts and farts and, you know, it just really depends who you're talking to. But I mean, it, for a kid that age, that is, you know, you're like, I'm talking to you about my pee-pee. You're like, whoa, you know, that feels just as heavy as somebody talking about something else at that age. Right. Exactly. So what are some ways that you would see that manifest? We'll start with like the young kids. Maybe we can do this developmentally. That might be a really cool way to talk about it. So we'll start with the young kids and then we'll progress up because I think that looks different and how we approach it might be a little bit different too, for sure. Uh, It does. And I think as a clinician or a parent, either somebody who is talking to anyone of any age, thinking about what they know compared to what age they are is very important because I've had you know, very, very young kids have sexual content knowledge beyond anything they should know. And that's a clinical indicator of something you need to look into a little deeper, right? That's different and separate than OC, uh, from OCD. On the other hand, sometimes kids have trauma and their OCD attaches to those kinds of themes. And so that's also something where trauma and OCD can start to intertwine. So, you know, it's why it's really important to go to somebody that understands how to, how to tease these things out and how to figure out kind of what's going on. Cause with really small kids, they can't always tell you exactly, Oh, my, my trauma is being triggered and my OCD is attacking it. And now I'm really afraid of, you know, people coming after me, or I'm afraid I'm going to look at other people's privates. I might touch somebody's privates or, looking underneath the bathroom stall, like really feeling the urge to like, I have to look at people going to the bathroom. I've seen that a lot in a younger kids. So lots around the toilet because we've recently toilet trained. So probably it's fresh on our mind as well. And then of course the yucky germy stuff, body fluids, other people's yucky body fluids. Um, so kind of starting young, that's, that's where you, you know, most of what you get, but you do also get the kind of the crossovers into harm. Something bad might happen to my parents. I might do something bad to my parents and even just to focus on the genitals and how they work. Little, little boys start focusing on erections and then they get confused. Maybe somebody, their parent reacts and now they're hyper-focused on this and this means something and that becomes part of their OCD. So can really get, can get involved. Okay. So that's a lot to unpack (laughs) because I feel like You brought something up that I didn't even think that is like a really important thing to, to have as a caveat of, you know, sexual abuse or trauma. And so I do want to just highlight that briefly, even though that's not what this episode is about, but it is good to have that differentiation of if your child has OCD, OCD will glom onto anything. And so it will glom onto trauma or sexual abuse. And so, yeah, if you do have a four or five-year-old or even an older child and they have knowledge about things that are way beyond what is developmentally appropriate, their OCD might actually even highlight that 
because OCD gets stuck and so and it ruminates and so they can be entangled. But if your child is having, you know, I'm worried about staring at private parts. I worried about, you know, talking to my mom because I might be looking at her chest. You know, a lot of times I think parents automatically jump to sexual abuse or trauma. In fact, when my my practice I would get a lot of panicky calls, I think my child's been sexually abused because they're like so consumed with the fact that I might be looking at they might be looking at my private parts. Why would they do that? Because I think when we think of OCD, that's not what parents think about. They think like my child should be washing their hands excessively. They don't they don't realize most people actually don't realize the extent of OCD. That's absolutely right. People don't most people don't know about harm, OCD, or sexual content of any kind. People think of it more of a neat, orderly, cleanly type illness. And it can be, which can also attack people you know, in a variety of ways. But yeah, these are the ways that even when people find out, sometimes they struggle to talk about. And we have to make that less of a struggle because kids are out there struggling. And if we struggle to talk to them about these things, then who's going to talk to them about these things, you know? So, right. Yeah. And it becomes a block, I think, when it when there are sexual themes, especially as they get older, and we'll talk about that as we progress through the timeline. But younger kids, I think, are more more likely to just to shout this out. You know, if you're talking to them and they're like, I just can't, you know, you'll see it and they'll be more verbal about it. And as they get older, I feel like there's more stigma attached. And so they might be really open to talk about other OCD themes, whether you're a therapist and they're open to you or you're a parent. And you know, you're missing something, but you can't put your finger on it. For me in my community, when parents will say, you know, he's 15, he has intrusive thoughts, but he doesn't want to talk about it. He'll work on it, but he's very private about his thoughts. I'll be like, ask him about like semen and ask him about, you know, talk about sexual thoughts and tell him that it's normal. And all of a sudden, you know, that child will open up sometimes, not always because you've normalized it. And so it's that stigma that also adds another layer of of privacy. Yeah, that's right. That's, and that's why I love to work with kids. I was a squeamish, uh, you know, the topic of sex and sexuality, just even growing up was like, uh, you know, and (laughs) so when I was in school, I was like, you're going to be a therapist. You're going to talk to people and you're going to just be like squirming in your skin. But, you know, I don't want it anymore, obviously, but I'm, I love to help other people too. I supervise some uh, clinicians at NoCD who will come to me and and be like, you know, what what do you think about this? And I'm like, oh yes, you know, it's like, but you know, I'm talking to a, a young child about this. Is this okay? You know, and I'm like, no, they're talking to you about it. Oh, I love that. You yeah. didn't introduce these ideas. You're not saying, let me tell you a whole lot more about sexual content. This is a, a sex ed session. This right. is making a safe space and creating, you know, some space for this child to go, I can talk about this. And I might even bring up, you know, in some different ways to, to get that, you know, out, you know, just, Hey, sometimes we think about things that feel really super weird or gross. Sometimes it's about our parents. Sometimes it's about other kids could be about, you know, stuff on us, you know, what do you think? Like, you know, and then sometimes we'll, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to talk about it and feel what a relief, something they haven't been able to say before. Yeah. And it's great that they've got that, you know, that you as a soundboard, because I think sometimes it does scare therapists and definitely parents on how do I broach this subject? And I liked what you said, they're talking to, to you, you're not talking to them. And so 
you're not providing extra sexual content. So if you have a five-year-old or an eight-year-old even who's saying, I'm afraid, you know, I might stare at her boobs, you know, and they use their language, you know, they might say boobs or breasts or whatever is their kid language. You know, you want to reflect back that as a parent, we'll talk about parents specifically, because that's who's listening predominantly, but as a parent, you want to reflect back that, you know, use their language, use their words, don't add information, but don't be afraid of the information that's already in their head. Because I think we do a disservice to kids when we don't approach those issues because they make us uncomfortable. Yep. That's absolutely right. And, you know, I've raised three kids. I have two adults and, uh, and a teenager, and I know it's uncomfortable, you know, even outside of OCD, I think for parents to sit down and have conversations about sexual things, but to know that your kids are, are thinking things and imagine if they happen to be about you as a parent, how embarrassing. And sometimes kids don't, and teens don't want to talk to you about that. And sometimes the therapists, you know, like I know will say, Hey, you know, can we have a little time alone, you know, with this kid so that they can talk without you because sometimes they need to talk about it and it's not something they want to share. And you knowing all their content isn't important. It's important. You know, the ones that maybe are accommodating so we can work on that, but you don't have to know all the content that's going on with your kid. They, they, they need to know that they can talk to their therapist about it to work it out. Yeah. And some parents don't have therapists, but probably a lot of the people that, that listen to this don't have access to a therapist. They can call an OCD and, you know, but some don't have access or have barriers. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, especially for the little kids, it's really just like knowing what to ask, you know, when a child says those kind of things or has, even with moral OCD, because we've been talking about, I feel like moral OCD and harm OCD are kind of like the themes that are driving a lot of these sexual uh, sensory motor OCD, because you mentioned like, you know, the penis and like worrying, like over being oversensitive to your bodily functions. But how, how can parents start to talk to their, we're still on the young kids, right? We're going to move on, but we're going to do like in three chunks. So we'll talk about like the toddlers, preschoolers, then we'll move to elementary school. And then we'll talk about the teens. Cause I feel like there's very specific things that happen through those ages. Yes, there are. Yeah. I would say, I think every family's different in that people want to share a certain amount of information with their kids. So I say, you know, however much you've shared with your kids that you're comfortable talking about and that you have, that's how much you want to talk about, then then talk about those things. But I will also say that one way to help sexual content with OCD and in general is for you to, to present less freaked out yourself. Because I know the first time I showed up with my first son, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm about to talk about like all these things I don't want to talk about with my own kid. Like I would I want to pay somebody to come have this talk. Yeah, that's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Somebody do it and just be like, I said all the right things. And I'll be like, yay, he knows. <laughs> and I know that he knows, you know, um, but I, I, I struggled through it. Right. And, and I just kind of tried to see where he was at too, because I didn't want to go any faster than he was comfortable. And so I brought a book and it was kind of like a, a age appropriate for my child at that time, which again, you have to decide some people are like, way more extreme than other people on one side or the other or conservative. Yeah. Being able to even just get comfortable talking about those things in general, like you have a body, this is the proper names of your parts. You know, my, my daughter, when she was little used to um, say pee butt and I was like, that's super cute and funny. And we called it that for quite a while. And I was like, that's your vagina because like, you have to know that like we can call it pee butt as long as you, you know 
the real name for it so that we can start to break down the the tension and the stigma in the conversation in the first place. Yeah. And some parents are afraid to educate their kids on sexual things. Like, so when we're talking about these younger kids, we're talking about just body parts, body names, really basic things. And I'll have parents, not just with sex, but that's what we're talking about today, where they'll feel really horrible because they'll think I just created this. So maybe they're teaching, you know, age appropriate body parts. And then now all of a sudden their child who has moral OCD themes is saying, mom, I'm, you know, I think I'm staring at his private parts all day. And the parent will have this guilt of like, oh my gosh, maybe I need to pull back and not educate them. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and the thing is, there's nothing we can do to control the content of anybody's OCD. It's just going to attach to whatever either you're making the kid feel extra nervous about, or the kids feeling extra nervous about, because if you don't care about it, usually OCD doesn't attack it. That's that's the truth about it. So if you're making sexual stuff extra nervous, it, you know, and it's attacking that, the best thing you can do is make it, make it a little more comfortable to talk about those things, you know, again, within reason um, uh, for age and, and all of those things, right? Because kids are just, everybody's different, you know, I, I can't, it's not a one size fits all, uh, you know, we all have to kind of do what we do with our kids. Yeah. And working on our own reactions, our own poker face for, for all ages, whenever we're talking about these things is really important so that they can tell us whatever intrusive thought or feeling that they're having. And they're not worrying about, you know, they're already having possibly those thoughts of like, I'm disgusting, or I'm a pervert, or this is so embarrassing. No one ever has had this thought. And unfortunately with OCD, they're very common. They're very common to have these intrusive thoughts. And so working on your poker face and your ability to be comfortable talking about these sexual themes can be really important. I do say like, I've seen a lot of little kids OCD glum onto this and the parents seem very comfortable with sex. And so I, I wouldn't say it's always, in my opinion, like caused by the parents reaction or discomfort about sex, no. but you know, sometimes that age they're like, they're all weird about like, Oh, your butt. And it's far, like we were playing a, a game with my, my husband's uh, sister and her child through zoom yesterday. And you have to like fill in, it's kind of like almost like a Mad Libs type of game. And you know, two 10 year olds and a 12 year old and everything was like, butt and fart and boogers. And I'm like, mm. you know, it's like, they haven't really passed that stage yet, apparently, but that's, that's that age. And so OCD's like, I'm joining in, like, let's make butts taboo. Let's make these body parts really uncomfortable. Especially if you've had a recent switch, I see it a lot for when kids are moving from like a potty chair or a potty seat to the big potty, like full potty mm-hmm. experience. Sometimes things will start to happen then as well. It's just like this transition and this focus now, right? It's like my butt and now I'm peeing differently and all this, right? And so again, we're kind of focused, focused in on that stuff at that time. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. Whatever our kids are focusing on or whatever, maybe as they get older, their values or morals are, is a lot of times the opposite of what OCD is going to introduce to their brain. So all right, moving on to like, you know, past the preschoolers, but not puberty yet. So now we're dealing with like the elementary school age tweenish, but maybe not tweenish. So right before that, what issues do you see pop up with them that are sexual? Start to see uh, still some harm OCD, some gross so harm OCD, just for like someone who's a new yeah. listener. Can you explain that a little bit? 
Yeah. um, Thoughts that you might harm somebody else in some way. It could be physically, you could think you're going to, you know, kick somebody or punch them or smash their head or, you know, different could be very extreme. You could think you're going to stab somebody or you could think you're going to do something sexual to them. Sometimes I think I might go grab that person's butt or crotch or something along those uh, lines. I'm going to go, you know, grab that girl's boobs. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, some, some kind of thing, or I'm, when I look at that person, I, it looks like they're naked in my head, yeah. those kinds of, because now we're like, Ooh, you know, bodies, you know, we're starting to see those sixth graders who were, you know, and we're trying to be old and big. And, and so, you know, the conversation starts to change. And so, yeah, so you start to see that some body fluid kind of stuff, depending kind of, again, developmentally where your kid's at. Some kids, you know, in fourth and fifth grade are, you know, dating people. So it depends on what, you know, really there's cares. a big spectrum of knowledge of, you know, where they're at hormonally for sure. And I want to say, just because I've seen a lot in social media lately, misunderstanding some of these intrusive sexual thoughts, you know, that if a child's having intrusive thoughts that they're going to touch, you know, your private parts, or they're worried that they might do something sexual as they get a concept of sex, they might poke you or they might make you pregnant. I've seen all these kind of things. And it's sometimes it's very simplistic and sometimes it's very graphic depending on their knowledge as they get older. Can you talk about how the, there's no true intention of that. I think sometimes people think they have an intrusive thought and that compulsion is to actually go do that. I think there's a misunderstanding with that. There definitely is. And it's, you know, it's called thought action fusion. It's thinking that because somebody's having a thought that somehow they're going to have an action like OCD, you can have an urge, you can have an urge to go like, oh, I really feel like my want my body to get up and go do this thing. It still won't. You have to still make a decision to do this behavior. So, you know, OCD can't make you do something and they're not your thoughts anyway. You didn't come up with these. And I think that's what's important to remember no matter what age you are, you know, no matter what it is, when you have OCD, you're not coming up with these intrusive thoughts. It's not like, oh, I want to grab this person's, you know, but, you know, not your thought. It came to you from your OCD and you're just dealing with it. And I think that's what's important to remember. So what are some of the common compulsions that come with this? Because I think someone who's maybe not educated thinks that the compulsion is to go do these things, which is completely the opposite of what actually happens. Right. So with kind of these younger school age kids and as you get start to get older too, um, even adults, you can get into magical thinking. So starting to do preventative rituals or safety behaviors to keep you from doing certain things. So I have OCD. I've had it since I was four or five. You know, I, for a very long time, thought I was going to set things on fire And then I thought I was going to set my school on fire. And the urge to set fires was deep. I was like, I would love to. And it wasn't because I wanted to. It was because I couldn't stop thinking about that. I thought that I would. So it was like, you probably should because you think you're going to, you know, and you drive yourself crazy because you don't know you have OCD. And it's not like, oh, Tracy wants to go burn a school down and, and, you know, burn children. No, my OCD is going you want to start a fire. Oh, there's toilet paper. Toilet paper can start on fire. Oh, you wish that you had matches, you know, and it's like, ah, you don't realize it's torturing you. It has, you know, this isn't something you want to do something you're thinking about with delight. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, conversely, you know, you have someone who let's say, you know, has some pyromania and like, does want to 
is, is enthralled by fire. We'll just use that as an example to remove from the sexual. Cause I think sometimes when you remove the content, you can hear the message clearer, but you know, so you have one person, person a, who is pyromaniac and is like, gets excited and enthralled by fire. And so they're enticed and they want to do it. They're looking for the opportunity to do it. They're ruminating because it's exciting and they want to do it versus a person with OCD who's having some harm OCD thoughts. They're having intrusive thoughts that say, maybe you are that person. Maybe you want to do stuff. And it's so upsetting and so worrying that you take so many measures to not to be, not be that person. So you, maybe you don't go into the, and I'm just using this as an example. Maybe you avoid bathrooms, maybe you avoid toilet paper, maybe you avoid going to school, maybe you avoid looking at things that are the color orange, like maybe you stop saying the word red. So I want to just really clarify that for the audience and for those that are maybe not as educated about this, that the person goes above and beyond to not have those intrusive thoughts, which are actually compulsions. I've had school-age kids who won't sit next to people they don't want to go to swim class if they're in swim class because they don't want to wear a bathing suit. They don't want to take a bath anymore because they don't even want to see themselves naked. They don't want to sit next to somebody because they think, what if I accidentally touch you? I mean, it can really impact somebody's life because they're taking so many steps to not do those things. Yeah. And, and it's tough because it's not usually an age where there are people that you're going to start sharing this with. It's not like your friends are all sharing that they're all going through this. You don't even know what it is. You just think you're going, you're going nuts, you know? So the hard. hard part too, I think, as we're talking about this is the children's books, aren't going to necessarily talk about this. So yeah. I trying to think if I know of any child's OCD book that brings up these thoughts, because nobody wants to touch that with a 10 foot pole. And so you can have a child who has predominantly maybe these intrusive sexual thoughts, you know, with a moral OCD or harm OCD slant to it. and you're educating them and you're thinking you're doing everything you need to do as a therapist or a parent. And they're thinking in their head, yeah, no, I'm just sick. There's something wrong with me because no one's mentioning the things that I'm actually struggling with. That's right. And it's funny you said that because I'm working on a book right now and the part I'm stuck in, um, it's a sexual content OCD book, surprise. And I was like, I can't leave kids out of here. And, and kind of like when I had a private practice where I saw kids and also I did sex therapy. Like, that's weird. What a weird combination, you know? And I'm just like, is it? It's really not. It's all the same stuff. But yeah, I, that's where I'm like, wow, like, what do you put in there? And when, what, you know, how much? And, you know, and so, I mean, and I'm, and I'm just being really thoughtful about it. You know, I'm not worried about it. I'm just like, what do you put and how much? And, you know, and then, and what if, what if you were to write a kid's book, how many people would buy it for their kids? I wonder, other than you, if you brought your kid in, I don't know, to a therapist who happened to specialize in OCD, who happened to be comfortable with sexual content that happened to be like, yes, there is one book. <laughs> I actually <laughs> think it might be very popular because it's just like, you know, I'm the same as you. I got a couple of books when I had to talk to my kids about sex, like in general, because I wanted them to have a reference. And actually my son, like he would go back and I'd see him like sneak the books. I'd find it like hidden under the coffee table or like, yeah. I was like, okay, he's reading it, you know, himself. But when you have a child with OCD that has sexual intrusive thoughts, I think parents would have the same feeling like help. I want a book to guide me. And That's you'd be the true. one, the one only book that would be the go-to book for that. It would. Well, that's what I'm hoping will be the, uh, the front or back side of this book when I can fully, uh, wrap my head around how that's, 
what does that look like? Yeah, it's hard. It's different. It like you would say different things to different kids at different times. So, yeah, it sounds like a developmental book. It's going to start when you're in preschool and end when you're an adult. I guess <laughs> I don't know because I do feel like it's like another layer of taboo. It's already stigmatizing to have OCD, but then when you have the sexual themes and you're a child, even as an adult, it's extra stigmatizing. There's not as much content or support out there. People are less open about it, but add another layer of being a child. And it would be a miracle if you actually disclose that, especially as we're getting to the elementary and now into the teen world where they have that more self-awareness, you know, they're not like just running around naked and telling you all their thoughts. Now they know that maybe this is going to be perceived as a, as something uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and kids, uh, most of us anyway, haven't grown up in homes where it was really a a sex was a a talked about thing in a comfortable, open way. I tried to make that different in my household. And there are times that I'm like, why? I don't need that much information, guys. Now you're oversharing. Like, I wish I didn't know that at all. Like, I've made it too open. Can I, can I shut some gates and get a little privacy in your life? Uh, But um, I guess it's better in that direction. Uh, (laughs) At least you have somewhere to talk. It's better than, I don't know, because then they feel safe to tell you anything that's going on, you know, that they're in an unsafe sexual relationship. I mean, like, it's a good, it's a good sign that they feel like they can trust you, I think. No, it is. It is. But yeah, you know, just be careful what you wish for because you <laughs> might find something out that you can't unsee. Just saying. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I haven't reached that yet. <laughs> I have an 18 year old, so we'll see. Okay. So moving on to high school, because there's another thing that, that you kind of like triggered my brain to like want to touch on and I want, I don't want to run out of time. So once they hit puberty and onward and into adulthood, really, I think once you hit that puberty line, what kind of sexual, and this is, I just want to also say, this is just a sampling. I mean, by, by no means is this like fully comprehensive. We're not going to hit every possible sexual intrusive thought that you could be having, but just to you know give you the highlights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to tell people anything and everything can happen all the time, you know, in any way, in all fashions. So there you go. So if you were wondering if it could happen, yes, for sure. It could, whatever it is, because you know, OCD is a, is a, is an opportunist. It will go after everything. Doesn't have a limit. So all the themes really just keep carrying forward all the same ones. And then it just maybe gets a little bit more complex. So the magical thinking that we were talking about earlier, we were compulsing, you know, when you're younger, you might be doing certain things like counting or tapping on something a certain amount of times, or maybe like doing a certain thing to protect somebody. And then as you get older, you start to kind of privatize some of these things because it becomes kind of embarrassing. You know, you're a teenager, people are watching you socially and trying to tear you apart every moment. And the last thing you want to be doing is some weirdo, right? Ritual that makes you stand out. Like maybe as a kid, you could spin in circles on the playground and nobody thought you were weird, but it's harder to get away with in high school. So then a lot of things start to get psychological, like in your head, maybe doing some mental rituals. I know I used to do weird things like with my eyes, like before I would leave a bathroom, I had to look in the upper right-hand corner of, you know, the mirror 
And I was like, as long as that's the last thing I'm looking at when I walk out, like everyone's safe in my family. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't do that, I have to go back and do it. Keep everybody safe. So, you know, you can do all these kind of protective things or these magical thinking, this will protect somebody, but then you can also start to get more into the more sexual harm, feeling like you might harm somebody sexually. Um, you might start getting rape themes. You might get more into sexual orientation, OCD. Am I gay? Am I straight? Am I trans? Am I something, you know, I don't even know what I am. More of those kinds of things as identities and things like that start to come out. Some pedophilia OCD can happen sometimes with younger siblings, sometimes with, you know, your babysitting, those kinds of things as well. And of course, your sexual knowledge is more because everybody's talking about things. You've seen more movies at this point. You've seen, you know, you have more con. your OCD has more content to work with. Yeah. And I think that's key is that because sometimes parents will just be like, oh my gosh, my child is like disturbed or disgusting. And you definitely want to rule out like, you know, if your child if doesn't have a history of OCD and all of a sudden they're having these thoughts, you know, that's why it's good to go to an OCD therapist and have an assessment to rule out and rule in like what is going on, whether they are truly concerned about their actions or if they're truly concerned about their identity you know, their gender, their sexual orientation. I do want to get into that in a second. So I think it's a whole other conversation briefly, but I also see a lot of contamination OCD with semen. I think that that's like my number one with like the minute, you know, they hit puberty and if they have contamination issues, nine times out of 10, they're, they're worried about their semen, like tracking around the house and into their stuff. And that that's often when your child has contamination issues and they don't want to tell you what what's contaminated. They'll just say, just feels I don't know. It just feels kind of gross. And you can tell there's, they're not fully coming through. Like they don't want to tell you it's awkward and, but it's good for you to know that that happens. And sometimes I think different beliefs, different beliefs on masturbation can influence or make it more of a a theme, depending on what's going on in the family, like belief system, which is neither here nor there. But it's just something to note that sometimes OCD will kind of glum onto like your religious beliefs or your beliefs around sexuality or your beliefs around masturbation and will kind of say, Hey, this is a great one. Like every, it is opportunistic. So if that's, you know, if that's a sin, then I'm like right on that one, you know, and it, it doesn't mean that if your child has those issues and you guys are very open about masturbation, everyone's got comes from a different ideology and philosophy. OCD might still tackle that one just because it feels weird when you're 14 and you're learning your body. Yes, it does. And, and sometimes something happens, you know, like there's been a lot of video game, actual uh, sexual content with video games. I got an erection while playing a video game as a guy and I'm a guy. So does that mean that I'm gay? And now I can only play as this guy and do these certain things, but I have to make sure, you know, to make sure I'm not gay and, you know, and so really even just mixing in content from social media, from video games, I see things like that. Songs. If I listen to this song that says these things, you know, then I'm sinning. Just all these, all these different ways that, you know, because I think when you're little, you're not really paying attention to all of these things in the world. Your stuff is a little more uh, sterile uh, until yeah. you get older. Yeah. So it's more about looking at body parts and, you know, it's like very simplistic. I think maybe like once you learn what sex is or, you know, sex is a thing. I've had little kids worry that they're going to have sex with their dog or their cat or, but certainly once you hit that puberty, like 
the more knowledge, the, the more graphic those intrusive thoughts can be. So with sexual orientation OCD, I want to talk about that for a little while. Well, I actually want to end on that because there's a couple of things. One, sometimes families will feel defensive because they'll say, we're so open. And so they, they, take, it on, they take it personally because they think, you know, I don't know why they're so worried about being gay. I, I told them if they're gay, we're fine with it. There's other families where maybe like they had different beliefs and, and it, it so manifests with OCD, but not always. A lot of really open LGBTQ families are having kids who are worried about being gay. Absolutely. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's not even about how accepting you are. It's just about there's something in me that I'm worried about. You know, I, I haven't had sexual orientation OCD because I don't care at all. If I wake up anything other than what I am, I feel great about it. Um, and so it doesn't have anything to attack. And so I, you know, I like to just kind of look at, but the other things I worry about, absolutely. It's on top of those. And so I think it is just kind of looking at what does it mean? You know, have you been shamed around masturbation? Have you been shamed around certain things and now you're doing them and now it's just more in your head. Now you're worried about, you know, I've had teenagers worried about cursing, just any number of things, you know, am I a bad person? Cause I had this thought during this time where I accidentally touched my dog's butt or, you know, so many different things. I have a number of people who have sexually intrusive thoughts about their parents that are, you know, very graphic and make them feel absolutely disgusting. And they will never want to tell their parents that. And I think you don't have to, you know, we can just talk about it here because I can understand that. I wouldn't want to talk about that with my parent either. Um, and it's not important to talk to you know, to have to share that. It just, it's important to go, this is an intrusive thought and I need to learn how to get through it with some skills. But to realize that that might be something your kid is going through and also to give them an amount of privacy sometimes knowing that what if, what if it is about that? And they don't want to say that to you. They never want to have that conversation with you. That's okay too. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're talking about older kids and it gets really graphic. And I mean, a lot of us have upsetting intrusive thoughts, you know, for like a split second and then it goes away, but with OCD, it gets stuck and it gets replayed over and over again. And they may not want to disclose that to you and that's okay. But I do want to go back to the sexual orientation OCD. I know, you know, with the clients I've worked with, there have been families like where the child is like incredibly accepting, the family is accepting, but with any kind of OCD, it's about who you are and it, and it's about the doubt. And so I've talked to kids and they're like, I'm okay. My sister is gay or my brother is transgender and I'm okay with all that. But what if I'm that, but I don't feel like I'm that, but what if I am that? And then there's the whole mental compulsion debating and am I that I'm not that that's upsetting. And so I do feel like, because I think parents get so defensive and then they, they start to talk to their kids in a rational way, you know, like, you know, I'll love you no matter what and blah, blah, which is a great message to convey, but it's not going to make the OCD go away. And so I think yeah. that that's an important aspect. And I have worked with people who I worked with someone who was gay, but they weren't trans and their sexual orientation OCD was purely about being trans. And that may not make sense to a lot of people. They might be like, well, what's the difference? Why does it matter? And it's like, it doesn't matter, but OCD is making it a thing because it's the doubt of like, I know who I am, but what if I'm not? And it could be anything. I know I'm not a fire starter, but what if I'm not? You know, I know that I'm straight, but what if I'm not? The tricky part, I think this gets a little bit concerning, I think that I've seen in my community is when the child is actually truly wondering, you know, who they are sexual orientation wise or gender wise. And 
they quickly say, oh, they have sexual orientation OCD. Yeah, that that is a, a tragedy that we don't want to run into. And I think with good assessment, it's very clear to see the difference between somebody struggling with their gender, their gender identity, you know, and somebody struggling with OCD because one of them is compulsing and the other person is just struggling to figure out what's going on with themselves, you know, and it just doesn't look the same, but yeah, I mean, it can look the same, I guess, to um, to somebody who doesn't know the difference. And so it is important because sometimes we take uh, somebody in for help and they, I've had people come in as teenagers who say, oh my gosh, my last therapist said, well, I think you just have to accept, you know, that you are trans or you are gay. And and it was actually not that. It was actually the OCD, which was very traumatizing. So they were like, oh my gosh, now I really, it's really like a professional said it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even more traumatizing now because now it's even more confusing. And so having to work through a lot of that too, that's very common. Um, yeah. I think it's a good place to end is that with the topics that we're talking about related to like, you know, having sexualized thoughts or sexualized thoughts of wanting to harm someone else or do something to them or having, you know, gender confusion or sexual orientation confusion, that's where getting a really good assessment comes in. Because if you go to an OCD therapist who is skilled and it doesn't take much skill, you have to just be an OCD trained therapist, you will know no, that child truly is having these thoughts. That's concerning. That's a different therapy. That's a different therapist who needs to talk to you. Or that child is truly confused about their gender. They need someone to process that with them. And that's a different therapist and a different therapy. And so an OCD therapist is a great place to start because we, I mean, I'm sure that you do this too. Like I'll be very quick to say, no, that's not OCD and you know, refer them out versus someone who doesn't know OCD they're not going to be able to spot OCD from some of those other concerns. That's right. That's And, and that's one of the things that um, drove NoCD's founder to start NoCD was going to a therapist who misdiagnosed uh, OCD and did some of the wrong treatments and made it worse. And, you know, that is why it's important to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about, get an excellent assessment. And if you're still confused, get another assessment. Yeah, absolutely. And no CD has actually made that a lot easier because it used to be, I would say that. And then, cause I have parents reaching out to me from like globally all over the world and they, w- I couldn't connect them to services. And so they would say these things, especially the sexual ones or the harm ones or the sexual orientation ones where you really want them to get an assessment. It's not for me to say like, oh yeah, that's OCD or that's not OCD. And then they would, would have nowhere to go. And now my life is a lot easier <laughs> because I could just be like, go to no CD. You can get, you know, just get an assessment. And so you don't have to commit to, to therapy. You may not even want therapy or need therapy, or it might not even be the right therapy, but you can go to no CD get an assessment and then take it from there. And so I appreciate that. Appreciate you guys doing that work. Cause I think it's really helpful. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm super excited to be part of it. Yeah. It's been fabulous being here talking about it. I, I love talking about, love talking about children and sexual content and OCD and all those things together and making it not weird. So it is good to make it not weird. Yeah. I don't love it as much because I'm like, okay, I don't want to offend anyone. I want to make sure like I, my social anxiety comes out like big time on this topic, but it's good to have someone else to chat with normalize. It It does need to come. We do need to normalize it. And we do need to have that 
you know, out there so that people have references and resources that they can listen to and say, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I get that now. That's what my child has, or at least I know the next step is to go get an assessment, check that box off and then move on from there. So I do leave links in my show notes for uh, no CD. Just go to treatmyocd.com. You can just get, you can have a free 15 minute consultation and then you can get an assessment. I always say, just start with an assessment and then take it from there. Cause a lot of times parents are nervous about this and they don't, they want to go to the right people at the right time. So. Right. We also just started having where you can just have an information session. You can just book a one time. I just want to talk to somebody for an hour and ask questions and not even, you know, commit to an assessment yet. So that's something else we offer for families and parents, or maybe you have a teen or a kid who's refusing to come in, but you just want information and you can call OCD and get one of those appointments set up where you can just ask questions. Oh, that's very cool. I keep, I mean, adding new things. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciated taking your time out of your day to, to help, you know, normalize the difficult things we talk about. Absolutely. Well, I hope that you found that helpful and educational. Hopefully there was some aha moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that that could be OCD. I think that it was a good conversation to kind of just go over some of the pretty big common themes that go on that are sexually related. So I hope that you're enjoying my podcast. And if you are, I appreciate it when you hit a star on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher and rank the show. And if you have a few extra minutes to leave a comment or to talk to another parent about how this is helping you, I greatly appreciate that. To show my gratitude, I always like to end my show reading one of them. But before I do that, I also want to let you know that there is a free series coming out. For those of you that follow me and have followed me for a while, you know that I do four series throughout the year. They're actually just two series, but I do them each twice a year. And so I'm going to be doing my survival skills, survival tools for parents raising kids with anxiety or OCD. This is my most popular series, and it is a three-part video series, and I email you the videos. There's not a lot of commitment. You just have to watch these videos if you want to get some bang for your buck. I do create a free Facebook group every time I do this series. So it's like a fresh pop-up Facebook group that's just for the series. And I go in there and I, I really live in there because I do an added bonus Facebook live class for every video. So there's three videos. So I'm in there three times doing an in-depth class, live class to answer your questions and go deeper. We have fun. I give away Amazon gift cards and free classes and it's a very cool experience. So if you want to join us, it's happening starting May 12th and you can join at any time between May 12th and when the series ends, it goes on for a week. You can sign up at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. That's atparentingsurvivalseries.com. I will leave a link in the show notes as well. So I want to say thank you to KSPNYC or KSP. New York City, I don't know, who wrote, Natasha is so helpful. I found Natasha several years ago when looking for guidance with my anxious toddler. I listen to her episodes each week and find them so helpful and insightful. Because of Natasha, I'm not only I'm not only a better parent, but I also have a deeper understanding of my own anxiety and the anxiety and OCD that runs deep in my family of origin. Fully recommend. Thank you so much for, for leaving that review. And it's so awesome that you started listening to me when your child was a toddler. 
because you're getting in at the ground floor and having all these skills and knowledge as you progress, which is incredible. Not that you need it for those of you that are listening and thinking, well, my kid's 15 or my kid's 21. It's never too late to get support, but I do think it's kind of awesome that you found me with an anxious toddler. So that's actually how I got started. That's why a lot of my stuff is called anxioustoddlers.com and I had to like rebrand And because the whole thing that got me started with this is I wrote a book called How to Parent Your Anxious Toddler. And the publisher was like, you need a platform, which I did not know what that was. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh my gosh. And now that was 2015. So fast forward all these years and here I am loving it and doing resources for kids between the ages of zero and in their 20s. So I hope that you enjoy my podcast. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 